So welcome everybody to the Bible Quest Wednesday edition. We're glad you're here today. Um, hope, hope everyone can join us as we have a discussion about the Christian and sports. Um, this has been a topic that's been on my mind lately, so I'm glad that we're going to be able to talk about it. Today joining me, we have Jeff Smelser from Exxon, Pennsylvania. How are you doing today, Jeff? Well, doing pretty well. I didn't quite get the Facebook thing going right, but otherwise doing well. All right. Well, that's okay. We're glad you're, thank you for setting that up as well and organizing all this. And uh, Joe from Elmira, how are you doing today, Joe? I'm just fine. Thanks. Good. Good to have you on. And as always in the background, we have Drew DeGrotto working the webcast stuff. Yeah. And he's really, he's really the, the genius behind the organization of this. Yes, he is. And so um, as always, um, if you're not able to join us right now, but you have friends that you might want to hear this podcast, they can listen to it at BibleQuest.tv. They can see it here on Facebook. They can go to the Android app or onto Apple Podcasts and look up BibleQuest TV and be able to find these there as well. Um, so today, like I said, we're going to be talking about the Christian and sports. In particular, I'll give you the roadmap for today. We're going to be talking about number one, is competition wrong? You know, is a Christian, when they're competing against somebody, is that wrong or is it simple? What does the Bible have to say about that? Number two, we're going to be talking about um, what if I start to identify with a sport? You know, what if a Christian starts to see their self-worth and their motivation and their identity in a particular sporting event? And then number three, and lastly, we're going to talk about godly principles um, and if godly principles still apply even when, when I'm competing or I'm in a sporting event. So that's kind of the roadmap for today. Uh, as always, please feel free to leave comments or questions. And uh, we'll, we'll read those live and try and get back to you with, a, with an answer. Um, you can do that on the Facebook page or in the Zoom app if you're following us that way. So guys, uh, let's go ahead and let's get to work this afternoon. Let's go ahead and ask this question. So is competition wrong? What Bible passages come to mind and that kind of thing? Start out, is competition wrong? Is that what yeah. you said? Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, you know, we've already had some people commenting on, on the Facebook page and I, I really, that's exciting when people get excited enough about a topic that they're, they're, uh, discussing it before we even go live here. Uh, and some of the passages have been mentioned that we would want to talk about. One is first Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and Paul alludes to the games. There were the Olympic games and there were also the Isthmian games, which is what Paul is probably alluding to in first Corinthians nine. And he talks about competition. And we'll read the passage. The caveat here is we have to be careful with Bible illustrations. Not all illustrations used in the Bible mean that it, it's all right to engage in the activity that's used to illustrate a spiritual principle. But the passage in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, starting in verse 24, Know ye not that they that run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. Even so run that you may attain, and every one... Every man that strives in the games exercises self-control in all things. Now they do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run is not uncertainly, so fight I as not beating the air, but I buffet my body and bring it into bondage, lest by any means that after I have preached to others, I myself should be rejected. So I think that, that we're going to see that competition is healthy, and yet it could be pointed out that what Paul is, is saying here doesn't necessarily justify competition in sports. He's using that to say we should be diligently striving in a spiritual endeavor just as an athlete diligently strives in the games. Um, but there's it's still, still to be established is this concept of competition. Is that a good thing, healthy thing, or not? 
And I think even backing it up just a little bit, that what is the pull for a Christian to want to play sports in the first place? The pull? Um, yeah, the pull. Like why? Uh, why the attraction? Christian... Say that again. The draw, the attraction, the appeal. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. What? What the is it? Pull. Okay. Well, that's a good question because it can be either a good thing or a bad thing, can't it? The the thing that draws me to want to participate in competition could be a bad thing. It could be my ego, my pride. I want to be better than somebody else, and I want people to like me better than they like him. Or it could be a good thing. I, I want to participate and get better and and be more skilled. And uh, I'm not trying to tear somebody else down. I just want to improve my own skills. Yeah, we, we say, you know, hey, I'm pretty good at this thing. Uh, it's It's a lot of fun. And I would like to test my skills. I would like to compete against somebody so I can hone in my skills and demonstrate them and, and try and do better. Or we can have a wrong attitude and we'll talk. Or, or at Joe's age and my age, it's I need to lose weight. Okay. Yeah. And that, Hey, that's, that's a good reason as well. That's a, and well, I think that's even a godly reason as well. That, thanks for including yourself in that, Jeff. Um, uh, just to that point, many pounds ago, I used to do, a, <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't measure by years. Um, uh, but I used to do a lot of running I do 10 Ks, half marathons occasionally. And one of the major attractions for that was the camaraderie, uh, being around a lot of other people that motivated me, encouraged me. There, there's a lot of, uh, if I can use the word fellowship, there's, there's a lot of joint participation um, that is, uh, I think, healthy when you are engaged in some sort of sporting activity. Yeah. And as far as what the Bible has to say about competition in general, we were earlier before the webcast trying to brainstorm some different passages to go to. We even talked about in um, Genesis, the 32nd chapter, where Jacob wrestles with God. That yeah. seems to be some, some type of competition, obviously. Um, and uh, so anyways, it, it is a, I guess, a biblical idea. It is something that, that comes from Scripture in a way. You know, that, that's interesting. If we could take a minute there in Genesis 32, I think this is interesting. You guys can tell me whether you agree or not, but I think it ties into something we were talking about earlier today with Joe and his children. Um, in, in Genesis chapter 32, you have uh, this passage. Let me get there. Uh, Jacob was left alone in verse 24, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. It's in the book of Hosea, uh, and I want to say Hosea 12. Is that right? Uh, where we, where this man is described as an angel. But um, it says, when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. So that's the angel touching the socket of Jacob's thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. And then he said, and I take that to be Jacob, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he no, I'm sorry, the angel said that. Right. And then Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall be no longer Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. I think there's a picture here of the idea of man striving with God, uh, not that man uh, cudgels God into forgiving him, but man's life is kind of a striving as he chooses between his own desires and God. But here's the interesting thing. If you could, if you had the ability to just touch somebody's hip and their hip is dislocated, would you ever lose a wrestling match? There's no way that God or or an angel, however you want to read that text, there's no way that that Jacob could, you know, 
just one-on-one defeat him. And yet, um, the angel had not prevailed against Jacob. Why not? Well, apparently, the angel had allowed Jacob to hang in there, hold his own, so to speak, because there's a lesson. There's a spiritual lesson being communicated here. And uh, Joe, you were telling us about uh, an occasion when you were playing foosball with a couple of your children? Yeah. uh, So a while back, a few years ago, I was playing foosball uh, uh, in a rec center and one of my sons, we'll call him, uh, you know, just so I don't identify them, we'll call him Mika. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Mika was watching me play, and the, the, the little child that I was playing with uh, won, and uh, Mika comes over and says, uh, hey, you let him win, didn't you? I said, yeah. He said, well, that was pretty cool, you know. And uh, uh, then all of a sudden he gets this look on his face like this, you know, light bulb comes on, but it's just terrifying. He says, wait a second. You mean when me and this other fellow were playing against you and mom several years ago, and I just kind of smiled at him. <laughs> so he'd gone years not realizing that he had, uh, you know, competed with us and that we had let him win. So why does a father let his child win? You, a ch- you know, with your child, you may make it difficult for them, and sometimes you may beat them, but there are the times you let them win. Why do we do that? And not every parent would even agree with this, but I think there's a sense in which we want to build our children up. We want to encourage them. If we beat them every time, it can serve as a point of frustration for them. Of course we can beat them. I mean, it's like two brothers playing basketball. And one of them is just significantly better than the other. Um, uh, but, yeah, I may be getting off course a little bit. <laughs> okay. But the, point, but the point is what we are doing is giving them hope, giving them confidence, giving them the, the, the reason to believe that they can compete in this world. Right. And in that sense, competition is a good thing. They're going to have to go out, and they're going to have to compete. They're going to have to compete for a wife. They're going to have to compete for jobs. They're going to have to compete in various ways in life. And games, sports, are one of the ways in which children learn to do that. Well, some of us don't have to compete for wives. But, yeah, yeah, we, we see the point. I think well, that's a really – You just had all the women lined up and- – you just get to take your pick with no competition. <laughs> oh, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. Um, but yeah, and, and I think it is something you see out of Scripture as well. But let's kind of move it to a different direction. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, are you going to move on to the to the second second stage of the? Or the I, I was about to, but what else? What else? Well, just the, just the idea of business, because Joe mentioned oh, this earlier right. in our discussion, uh, and I think it's worth noting that that we compete in business and you can compete with a, with a pure heart or you can compete with a a selfish heart, but nonetheless, to be successful in business, you need to compete. You need to go out there and try to be uh, successful and uh, put out, build, build a better product, uh, have a better price. Some way you need to win business. And that's a healthy kind of thing. There's a proverb here, Proverbs 10, 26, um, that I want to call attention to. A couple of Proverbs here real quickly. Proverbs yeah. 10.26 says, uh, like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, 
so is the lazy one to those who send him. You know, if you have employees and they are lazy, um, they're not, that's not a good thing. But in a world where competition is viewed as evil, where you shouldn't try to, to do a really good job, maybe a better job than the next guy's doing, you're trying, you're putting all of your effort into it, then people are not zealous about their work. They're not diligent to do a good job. And, and that's a, a picture where you have this kind of laziness. Proverbs 16, 26 is another passage I wanted to turn to you real quickly. And this passage says, a worker's appetite works for him, for his hunger urges him on. Um, so I, I, we, we're going to need to work in this life and to work diligently. And so you're going to have to compete. And so, so then that translates to the, to the world of sports where really, you know, we, animals, puppies, when you have a, a, a litter of puppies, those little, little puppies scrap and pull each other's ears and fight with each other and they grab something and they shake it around. What are they doing? They're playing, but they're learning skills they will need as, as adults if they were wild animals. And so also sports, games, that's what they are. They are things in which we're learning to compete. I think that's an excellent point is that what we ought to be doing is thinking about why would we be playing those sports? Right. Maybe this is a segue into the second point, but uh, you know, competition, why are we competing? Is it for pride? Is it for glory? Or are we looking for a way to let our light shine? Are we looking for avenues in which to, to talk about Christ, uh, you know, on the court or on the field or, you know, on the golf course or if, if golf is a sport, um, you know, um, wherever we might be. Um. Now, of course, and, and we'll get to this in the third point, you cannot justify everything out there in the world just by saying, well, I use it to the glory of God. You know, there are things that are just wrong. But what I think what we're saying is no competition is not in and of itself wrong. It, it, it really comes back to my motive. You know, we ought to do this before we leave the question of competition. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. And Chase, I'm sorry, I'll let you take this back in just a second. But no, no, think, no, no, no. I think we ahead. do need to do this. Romans chapter 12 and verse, um, verse uh, 10. In love of the brethren, be tenderly affectioned one to another, in honor preferring one another. You know, if, if, if we're playing tennis together, or we're playing basketball or whatever, uh, each of us is trying to win. Each of us wants the victory. And yet, my attitude can be, even if I win, my attitude can be one of two opposites. My attitude can be gracious. I can be a good winner. I can say to my partner, you know, you really, you really played a good game there. If it weren't for that one fluky shot where the ball bounced off the net, I wouldn't have won this. You know, I, I love playing against you. You make me better, that kind of thing. Or I can beat him and I can say, there, yeah, you've learned from the master. And not just jokingly, I could be real serious about it. Come back when you're somebody. You know, I can really try to put him down. Those are two different mindsets. The fact is, in sports, both of us want a good game. We want competition. We want to be able to to, to improve our skills to the point we can compete with the best. And so we want the other guy to try. We want him to, to do well. And, and, and we want to succeed. But it, it's a question of, do I want to destroy him 
and exalt myself, or do I want him to come away feeling good about this competition, this rivalry, just as I do? And uh, so you can, you can, you, we should not have this attitude where it's all about me in honor preferring another, but that doesn't rule out competition. I'm not sure I said that very well. No, I think that's well put. And I, I'm going to add on that just a little bit. And I think this works into the later end of the podcast anyways. Down in verse 18, where Paul says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this could be challenging as a Christian and being involved in sports, knowing that, hey, I'm going up against this person. Maybe they're a Christian, maybe they're not, but I know them. And I know if I win, they're going to throw a fit about it. They're going to be horrible to me after it. All my influence is going to be lost. I think that would be really challenging as a Christian to then go through with it and play them. In those, in a situation like that, are you even eager to beat the person? No, because it's not fun anymore. It takes away it, what I think the whole Christian draw should be to doing a competition like that in the first place is to enjoy and have fun. Um, it mm-hmm. takes it away at that point. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, other thoughts or comments along these lines? So I don't want to run down too far down a rabbit trail on that, but the same principles would apply not only for playing sports, but being a spectator or a fan of sports. Um, you know, not wishing for the other person to be harmed or devastated or whatever. I certainly fell into that trap in the past, um, you know, really sort of wishing evil on uh, the the other team or whatever even though i i had no skin in the game i i was i was just a, a spectator um but it's it's easy to sort of leave our virtues at the gate when we're watching sports mm-hmm. yeah and i think i'll tell you why i think that's so easy to do joe it's because those people they feel untouchable they're in the screen, the TV screen. They're all the way over there. So I feel like I can say whatever I want to about them because they're not going to know. They're, and they're almost like this unreal person to us. But we need to remember, those are real people that you're saying, break his leg. You know, those are actual people you're saying those things about. Right. You have right. made some compromises with your faith if you're wishing bad and ill on those people, regardless sure. of who they are. First Corinthians 13, uh, you know, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity. Uh, you know, those principles, uh, those virtues of, of love apply, um, again, in the, in the sports arena. Yeah, definitely. Um, and this might be a good transition. We'll, we'll go ahead and go there if there aren't any other comments on this one. Um, what happens if I find my identity in sports? And let me elaborate on this for just a second, and then you guys can take it and run. I have seen that. Um, I was public schooled. Um, guys, did you all play? I know you all were public schooled as well. Did you all play any sports in high school? No. Yep. Well, let me ask you, Jeff, where you went to high school, what was the most popular sport? Basketball. And what, what if you were on the basketball team? What did that mean? Uh, I would have been on a basketball team with a guy who went on to play in the NBA. That's a big deal. What was his name? Wow. Do you mind saying? Uh, Mac. Um, Danny Mac, I think. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so to be on the basketball team in my school or the football team in my school was big stuff. And if you and I'm and Joe, I'm sure it was the same maybe where you were football or basketball, maybe baseball. Here's what I'm trying to get at. Uh, We as a society put a lot of emphasis on sports. And when you're growing up and in that environment, and I know like I did when I was going through high school, if you were a 
football player or a basketball player, you're somebody. If you're able to attain the ability to throw that ball or catch that ball or tackle that person, you're the best of the best. And when that's what's being fed to you, it can be really easy to start finding your identity and your self-worth in that thing. Um, and so I think that's why this is such an important topic, especially if you're a teenager that's in high school sports or, or you're maybe a college athlete, or maybe you're a parent that has kids in high school sports or college sports. That's something we got to be really careful of is driving home that this sport can make you or break you. You better let it make you. That's not where our identity is. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. That, sh- that should be it. Um, our identity is found in God. And I'll, I'll read this passage real quick, guys, and I'll open it up. Jeremiah chapter 9, um, in verse, um, down in verse 23. Let not a, uh, the Lord says, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Not let a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things. We're not to boast in ourselves. We're not to boast in what we have. We're to boast in the Lord and boast as his children that know the Father, that know him, know him as our Lord and our Savior. That's what we boast in. Um, so anyways, I'll, I'll hush now. And yeah, I need, and, and I need to correct that. I, I was remembering there were two guys on the team, Danny Mack, and he was a great player, but it was Billy McKinney. Uh, who went on to um, play in, in the NBA. So if anybody's listening and they're Googling Danny Mac, I don't know what became of Danny Mac, but it was Billy McKinney who went on to play in the NBA. Uh, so, yeah. Maybe just to put it in perspective, there's a, a movie called Hoosiers. Um, uh, and in that movie, the, the coach, Gene Hackman, and the other school teacher, I forget her name, um, were talking and Gene Hackman's trying to persuade her about the importance of letting uh, the, the young man play on the team. And he talks about how uh, he'll be treated like a god if he if he is. And her response is, "Gods come pretty cheap. Uh, being able to put a ball through a hoop, gods come pretty cheap." And, and I think that that's that's the point that we're trying to make here is we already say that there's nothing wrong in and of itself with sports, but as a friend of mine points out, nothing is ever in and of itself. Um, uh, and so what we have to do is say, okay, why am I playing this sport? What's my attitude in the sport and how am I reacting to maybe some fame or popularity that I might be getting as a result of that? Um, am I pointing that to, to God or uh, am I, you know, seeking, you know, to have that prestige for myself? Am I? Well, when we think about, when we think about making our, uh, having our identity tied up in sport and to the extent that that becomes our God, you know, I'm, I'm an Alabama Crimson Tide football fan. And the fact is, in Alabama, there are a lot of people, you'll find a lot of people saying football is a religion down there. And you'll find the same thing being said in Texas. And is that a criticism? And if if it is a criticism, is it a legitimate criticism? Well, you stop and think about it. When people order their lives around the football season, to a greater extent than they order their lives around their service to the true God. Well, what does that say? Uh, Bear Bryant was a great coach. And of course, Nick Saban has had a a great run and is doing something that people never thought he would be able to do. And that is to supplant the legend of Bear Bryant. But, you know, people would talk about Bear Bryant and there were jokes 
about walking on water and this kind of thing. And they were comparing him to Jesus. And the thing is, it, it wasn't a joke in the sense of, well, of course, that's not true. It was a joke in the sense of, yeah, he's, he's just about like Jesus to us. Uh, you know, I love, I love to watch a football game when Alabama is playing somebody. I love to see him win. But we need to be careful that our identity is not so caught up in either our own athletic endeavors or our fandom, our enthusiasm for the team that we like to watch, uh, that as a matter of fact, our life revolves around that. That's our priority, even above and beyond our spiritual obligations. That becomes our God. Yeah. Um, I think a really helpful test, if you're a Christian and you're listening, and guys, we need to do this ourselves. If you're trying to figure out, do I identify myself within sports or as a Christian? Ask yourself a few questions. Is If it comes between going to the gospel meeting on on Monday night at 7 or the basketball game, it's, this is big for U.K. basketball especially, or there's a U.K. basketball game at 7, which one are you going to choose? That's if it's right. on a Saturday at, at 11 and the football game is going to be on and it comes between you watching the football game or you helping your brother in Christ move some stuff that he asked you to help with, what are you going to choose? If that's a hard decision for you, and let me just say, it's been hard for me as well. You got a problem on your hands that needs to be corrected. Mm-hmm. You're starting to learn where your identity is. Um, because if you read through Romans 12, as that section of Romans 12, Jeff just went through, it should be our brethren every single time. Where it should be choosing to worship God every single time fits between those two. And... Um, and as parents, we need to think about our children. We want to see our children succeed in sports. Um, we want to see them com- learn to compete. But we can get caught up in, with this sense of identity where now part of my identity is being able to say my son is a very successful basketball or baseball or football or whatever player. And so now I start allowing him to, to prioritize his obligation to his team, his sports team, practices, games, whatever, rather than his spiritual obligations, rather than assembling with Christians, for example. And when I do that, is that because my identity is so tied up in sports? If my son doesn't succeed at that in that, somehow I will feel diminished. I need that ability to go to my friends and say, look at what my son did. Validation. Fine. He's from me. You know, that's my genes doing that. Yeah, it's validation. That, that's what we're seeking at that point as parents. And, 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 and as we stated before, this would apply not just to sports. That's our topic this afternoon. But it would apply to success in the workplace or maybe even an ability to, to preach a good sermon or any sort of ability that our children might have to try to somehow make that a reflection of us instead of the Heavenly Father is, is really greatly misdirected. Um, well, very good, guys. Well, um, I'm happy about this section of the podcast. So if there's any other comments, let's let's do them now. But I really want to get to this next section as well. All right. Maybe just briefly, uh, Ecclesiastes 11, 9. Rejoice, O man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. I think that's pretty important to, to recognize. The ecclesiastical writer mentions in various ways that God doesn't ex- want us to go through life with you know, a sour face. He, he wants us to enjoy life, but always keeping that priority. 
let me make just one comment as well along these lines. Um, if you are somebody who's finding your identity in a sport, throwing the baseball, throwing the football, et cetera, et cetera, I want you to, to take the time to read Ecclesiastes 2. One of the things Solomon is going to try in his quest for finding fulfillment is, is um, pleasure. So he says in chapter 2, verse 1, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure. So enjoy yourself and behold, it too was futility. And in verse 9 through 11, he figures out it was all useless. All those things were. Here's the point I'm trying to make. If your self-worth and your identity is in sports, what happens once that's taken away? That's right. You break your arm. You get too old, which is going to happen to all of us. Um, all of a sudden, the, the school decides you're not good enough. What, what are you going to do now? If all of your self-worth and all your identity has been in that, and that's been taken away from you, I know exactly what's going to happen. You're going to crash. Because I've been there, not with sports, but putting my self-worth in other things. And when those things were taken away, I crash. That's why it's so important for the Christian self-worth and identity to be in Jesus. That's never going to be taken away from us. Um, and real quickly, we got a good comment from Brother Kane Atkinson. He says, as someone who has previously struggled with, with misplaced identity, I have to say amen to this portion. Going to practice should never trump service to God or his people, period. And that's exactly right. No, no, Chase, but, but what if... I skip services and, uh, and, and, you know, forsake not just assembling, but forsake, you know, responsibilities, opportunities to preach, so forth. But I get really good at the game, and I make a lot of money so that later on in life, then I can support evangelism greater. You know, if I can become a millionaire baseball player, look at all the good that I can do with that money. Well, that sounds a lot like Saul, but we had a good reason for keeping the animals in Agag alive. We were going to use it to sacrifice the animals to God. It is better to obey than to sacrifice. Absolutely. Right. It's a case, really, of what we're doing is we're doing what we want to do and then coming up with a rationale that allows us to say it's for God. Yeah. And, and, and again, my... For the sake of emphasis, I, I, I said it there, but I really want to, to drive this home. It's not just about going to practice or going to church services. Because a lot of times people will think of, as long as I go to church services, then that's okay. But it's really about, am I serving Christ? Right. Uh, because, you know, going to worship, going to Bible classes is such a small portion of that. And so our identity, as, as Jason talked about a while ago, you know, our 24-7 identity needs to be Christ. There's so many ways in this world in which we can get just so preoccupied, so busy in things with life that are not in and of themselves wrong, but they just fill up our lives so that we don't have time for the most important things. You know, there's the story in Luke, the 10th chapter, when Jesus comes to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And I'll just read a little bit here. It says in verse 40, Martha was cumbered about with much serving. So Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to the word, and Martha is cumbered about with much serving. Well, what would we do if Jesus were in our house? We'd want to be hospitable. We'd want to be sure he had a nice chair to sit in. We'd be want to sure, do you need a drink, some you know, nice juice, some, fresh, some cold water, uh, some iced tea? Here, let me make you a sandwich. And here are these other people wanting to hear Jesus. And, hey, I need to pick sandwiches for everybody. Everybody's hungry. That's not a bad thing in and of itself. And that's proven when over in John, the 12th chapter, once again, Mary is or Martha is serving and the Lord doesn't rebuke her. But here, Martha, cumbered about with much serving, comes to the Lord and says, 
Lord, do you not care that my sister did leave me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she helped me. And the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is needful. And that's, that's the thing we need to understand. Something may not be wrong in, in and of itself, but if it becomes so much my identity and so much the focal point of my life that I don't have time for my spiritual growth, my spiritual service to others, it's, it's an idol to me. Yeah. And, and, and who am I spending all of my time with? Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are they people of like precious faith or of equal, you know, RBIs or whatever? Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing. Normally, the, the situation is a Christian is playing with people where they're okay with their self-worth and their identity being in that sport. And if that's who you're surrounding yourself with, well, no wonder you're struggling with it. That's who you're surrounding yourself with. That's who's pulling you that way. Um, okay, well, guys, let, let's move on here. Let's talk about, just in general, some godly principles, some passages you would like to bring up um, about, about our lives as Christians that are going to roll over into even the sports field. What are some passages that stand out to you? I don't mind to start. Uh, my, my mind immediately goes to Colossians 3. Um, and in particular to verse 16, letting the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdoms, teaching, admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in, hearts, in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You know, everything we're going to be doing, no matter word or deed, it's going to be done in the name of the Lord because we're his. We're his people. And so that's even going to roll over into the sports field. Uh, another couple of passages, um, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, all things whatsoever you would that men should do unto you, even so do ye also unto them, for this is the law and the prophets. Do we throw out the golden rule once we're engaged in, in athletic activity? Or there's Romans the 12th chapter, or I'm sorry, Romans the 13th chapter in verse 10, where verse 10 says, love works no ill to his neighbor. Uh, love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Is it okay to wish ill upon my neighbor if I'm engaged in athletic competition or, against them? Or do ill. Or to do ill? Yeah. Is it all right for me to maim him or harm him? Is it all right for me as a spectator to want to see the the opponent of the guy I'm for? I, I want to see him hurt. I want to see him maimed. I want to see him crippled for life. Now, most of us would say, well, that's horrible. People don't. Well, there are some people, that's their attitude. Um, that's not loving. That's not doing unto others as I would have them do unto me. Right. Well, and, and that brings up the question, well, how can you even have competition? If I'm doing unto others as I would have them do unto me, I, I would want to win. So I should let him win. But would you want him to let you win? See, doing unto others as you would have them do unto me, that's about how I treat him with respect and, and honor and kindness and so on. But in sports, if we're both sportsmen, if we're both com- of a competitive spirit, we want to go up against somebody who is really applying themselves. And, and I, I used this illustration earlier today. I haven't been able to beat Scott one-on-one in basketball for years. Um, my brother. I'm going to tag Scott right now. So you're tagging Scott. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if, if he and I were going to go one-on-one and there's a bunch of spectators around and, and – and, and I start hitting all my outside shots so I don't have to go up inside against him because he's bigger than I am. 
and 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 I'm winning. And uh, and 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 then I find out afterwards, after I won, I find out he let me win. You know, he stepped away every time I went up for a shot, and he he even let me have the lane and come inside. And he missed all his shots on purpose. And well, that that would not feel good. I don't want him to do that. So competition is not a bad thing. And I can love, I can act out of love and do unto others as I would have them do unto me, uh, even though I'm trying to win. But what I can't do is want, is to wish evil upon him, to want to hurt him, to want to destroy him physically, psychologically. There is this thing in, in competition where you want to, to get the edge and make, make your opponent realize he, he's not going to get this point. You want to defeat him. But you don't want to truly hurt somebody. Right. And I think that comes back to just make the comparison to the workplace. You have two coworkers who are vying for a promotion. Uh, you know, you work, you do the best that you can for your boss. That may mean that you're going to get that promotion and that would be a great thing for you and your family. And, and so forth. if you do, uh, but you're not wishing evil on him, you can still fulfill that golden rule, if you will, uh, there. Uh, it's not that you, are just going to give everything away to your coworker or to uh, the person, your opponent on the, the basketball court, but it's the way that you're treating them in the process. Uh, guys, let me, let me just say a couple things because we're getting toward the end and I know there's a section that everybody is probably wanting us to get to, and that's specific sports that might be challenging. Um, one other principle would be modesty. Um, you could turn over to First Timothy 2, other places as well, to talk about the, the general idea of being a pure person and dressing yourself in a way that wouldn't cause your brother or your sister or anybody, for that matter, to stumble. All of that is still going to roll over into sports. Um, I think a really easy one with the modesty question would be even swimming. I think that would be a challenging thing for a girl or a boy to be participating in and consider themselves modestly dressed, especially, I think, I think the men, they're, they're just basically wearing Speedos. Um, even in some forms of wrestling, what they're wearing is just tight fitting. And it, I think would be really tempting for, um, for anybody to, to have to watch if that's something they struggle with. So if you're, if just because you're participating in a sport doesn't mean that you get to wear whatever you'd like or not wear whatever you'd like. Um, I know for instance, when I, when I played tennis in high school, a good majority of the tennis team, um, were of the Muslim faith and the girls, they wore sweatpants the whole season. It was hot. Mm-hmm. They wore sweatpants the whole season. That was yep. so encouraging to me. Yes, they yep. were of the Muslim faith and I, I don't necessarily, or I don't agree with that, but that was so encouraging to me. What about the golden rule and what Jeff brought up with maybe things like MMA fighting where your whole purpose is to beat the other person physically to the point where they can't, they're unconscious. What would you say about that guys? Or maybe football, where your whole job is to, to attack somebody. So maybe let me just interject here one, one thought. Because sometimes people will I, – I have a view on something like MMA, uh, and I, I, I see that as a violent sport, one where it is a bloodthirsty sort of gladiator kind of, of sport. I don't think that has a part in Christianity. That would be my, my view. Uh, I don't have a verse that shows that. I'm making application – from principles condemning violent actions. Uh, But one of the objections that sometimes is brought back to me then is, well, if you're saying that's wrong, then what about? Let me just say that that's a horrible argument to make. (laughs) 
that, why, that, that is, why do you say that? That is the argument that last week I was at a youth camp and I caught a, a young man uh, cheating, uh, getting in line too early. And I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, hey, you're supposed to be in the, the third row, right? He says, yeah, but what about him? He did it too. And I said, well, that doesn't make what you did right. Uh, you know, if it's wrong, it's wrong. And if some other sport is wrong in your mind because of that, then don't participate in either one of them. Um, but that's really a very childish argument. I, I just wanted to maybe get ahead of that because that's what sometimes people will say. Yeah. And I mean, if your attitude, even in football, is to beat the other person down, my whole, I'm going to break that quarterback's leg. Let me tell you, you're, you're in violation of some scripture um, and some principles that, we, that yeah. we've just brought up. Yeah. Going back to the, to the dress thing, um, you know, we, you mentioned the word modesty, and in First Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, a lot of translations will use the word modesty, and it'll say adorning themselves uh, with modesty or modest apparel. And, and people, there will, people will sometimes say, well, what that word means is what is appropriate. And so then they'll say, well, for tennis, a little short tennis skirt, a little skimpy skinny shirt, tennis skirt that shows all of the thigh on a woman is appropriate because that's for tennis. No, it's really not. Uh, yes, that, yes, that's where, what a lot of people wear in tennis, but you don't have to wear that to play tennis. Uh, and your example of the Muslims uh, chases to the point. But here's what I want to say. Forget about that notion for just a moment. Think about throughout the whole Bible, the idea of the body being private. Think about such passages as Leviticus chapter 15, Leviticus chapter 18, where it talks about nakedness is belonging to a spouse, or think about how God would talk about exposing the nakedness of a city when, when he would bring judgment upon them. And throughout the Bible, the body being exposed for public view is, 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 contra- is a negative kind of thing. And so you have this concept in the Bible, the body is private, and then you have this concept in our world, which is the body is to be displayed, get a good tan, get, in, get fit, get in shape so that you can show off your body that's a different attitude. It's the opposite of the attitude in the Bible. And so what we need to understand is, as a Christian, I'm concerned about having my body be private. Now we come to sports, and that principle still applies. I don't say just because I'm wearing tennis, I'm going to wear a skimpy little tennis skirt. Now, I'm a guy, so I wouldn't wear a tennis skirt anyway. Uh, but I don't <laughs> quit that chase. <laughs> and, and swimming or whatever it is, I can't justify something just because this is for sports. I'm a Christian first. My identity is not tied up in the sport. And so I'm not going to compromise a principle from God's word and justify it based on the sport. Yeah. Um, we, ultimately, as we're wrapping up here, it's going to go back to the attitude. There are most sports, I think, as a whole, we can play with a good attitude and with a good heart. But I do think there are some sports, like Jeff is hinting at, if, if the required dress or the sport itself is requiring you to compromise your Christian values and your Christian principles, don't participate in it. I, I personally would probably put MMA under that category as well as maybe some other violent sports. I'm with Joe probably. And, I, and I'm, I'm probably in the minority in that as well. I doubt it. Um, but, I doubt you're in the minority. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, Joe, so you, since, since we're out of time, uh, I wonder if this might be a good segue to a later program to talk about violence in general, whether it's in sports or in movies, 
um, or in, in language, um, but, but just to talk about that, that whole principle of violence, uh, let maybe take a, take a look at how, the, how God views uh, a, violent, a violent man. Okay. Well, it sounds like Joe just volunteered for our next podcast. So, sounds like it. <laughs> but Joe, that's that's a great point. I'd love to have that discussion, and I would definitely be up for that for the future podcast. Um, well, I'm going to go ahead and close there, guys. We're out of time. Thank you all so much for your comments. This has been really helpful for me, and I hope it's been helpful for the viewers. Um, Lord willing, we won't be here next Wednesday for the podcast. Um, the three of us are going to be at a camp in Indiana, but the week after that will be on on Wednesday at three. So thank you everyone for your attention and uh, God bless and stay strong.